to tell you a story about probably one of the most challenging nights of my life. It was an August evening, and it was a Friday, and it was, in, it was right at 20 years ago now. It would, it would have been in 2004. And it was right after I had just entered the seminary. Now, I graduated from St. Louis University in May of 2004. You know, a school of about 12,000 co-ed undergrad. Had a great four years there. Really enjoyed my time. Was in a fraternity. Like, just all the, you know, wonderful college experience, right? And then, fast forward to that Friday, August night, at the Pontifical College Josephinum where I was no longer with 12,000 co-ed undergrad. I was with about 130 of some of the weirdest guys I had ever met in my life. And it was, you know, a brand new experience. I knew that that opening week of rush for the fraternity, you know, all that was finishing up. Everybody was going to the party. And there I was at the seminary by myself. And I remember specifically, like, you know, our rooms, we had a sink and a mirror and like a light that must have been installed in like 1958. I mean, it was just like that kind of a feeling, you know? And I remember that night, I got to pray from this very bravery right here, the words that the church puts on our lips at night prayer on Friday nights. So we pray Psalm 88. I know it just pops right to all of your minds. I'm going to read for you the opening stanza and the closing stanza of what I prayed that night. This is the opening stanza. Lord my God, I call for help by day. I cry at night before you. Let my prayer come into your presence. O oh, turn your ear to my cry. And then this is how that psalm ends, Psalm 88. They surround me all the day like a flood. They assail me all together. Friend and neighbor you have taken away. My one companion is darkness. There you go. Thank you. Holy Mother Church, was I consoled? Let me tell you. I mean, it's one of those things where sometimes the church gives a scripture that is not the easiest thing in the world, right? I'm sure when Dolores was getting ready to come up here and read the first reading today, here's the most cheerful ending of a first reading we've gotten in a while. I shall not see happiness again. The word of the Lord. I mean, that's literally what we just heard, right? And it's one of those things where I think it's important to point out the facts that the church recognizes the fact that, my friends, we live in a fallen world, right? There's a reason why that sometimes when we have visiting priests, I tell them, please, don't sing if you're happy and you know it, because you don't have to be happy to come here. Sometimes life is hard. Sometimes Psalm 88 makes a lot of sense. My one companion darkness, right? I mean, it's, it can be a tough thing. My, my brother priest and I joke about that all the time because we literally pray that every Friday night. Now, to be fair, the church then immediately gives us a very brief reading from the prophet Jeremiah. You are in our midst, O Lord. Your name we bear. Do not forsake us, O Lord our God. Okay, not everything is awful, right? But ultimately, I just want to point out the fact that as we think about how we live as disciples of Jesus Christ, that doesn't mean you have to be an optimist, right? In fact, optimism doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. Like there are times people come to confession and confess like, oh, you know, I just, I keep seeing the negative things. Well, let's be fair. There are some negative things out there, right? Optimism doesn't work. Why? What does it literally mean? Everything's as good as it can be. Guess what? 
It's not. In a few minutes, you know, we're going to have the Eucharistic prayer, which I love, but some of you are going to kneel down, and some of you didn't pick the right pew. And our kneelers are not that comfortable yet, right? They're not as good as they can be. You're going to experience the fact that not everything is perfectly fulfilled yet, right? We did listen to the surveys. We're not there yet. We will fix the kneelers. But, you know, like, it's just not there yet. But at the same token, we're not pessimists either, because what is a pessimist? It means that everything's as bad as it can be. Well, that is clearly not the case either. Look at the sunshine coming through the windows. It's a beautiful Sunday, unlike last weekend, right? Here it is. It's glorious. And I was mentioning to the deacon on the way in today, I think it was about three years ago now, um, that we're like, all right, we're done with outside masses. Like the frostbite at mass is just getting to be too much. Let's come inside. We're inside again. It's great. You know, I love conventional heating. It's very helpful. You know, so like, yes, things are not awful. They're not as bad as they could be. We're also not optimistic. They're not amazing in all that they can be. What are we? We're realists, right? We live in a fallen world, but we live in a world that was created out of the loving impulse of God. And God so loved that world that he sent his only begotten son. And that same son recognizes the fact that sometimes we're going to pray Psalm 88. Sometimes we feel like my one companion is darkness. And if you think about that darkness, St. Mark really hits on that today in this gospel. I mean, I love the gospel of Mark. It's the shortest of the four, which means that when Mark uses some extra words, it's really worth paying attention to. He's only a 16-chapter gospel. I mean, all the others are at least more than 20. And notice this in the gospel tonight. It can go right over our heads, but he really emphasizes it. When it was evening after sunset. And notice that, when it was evening after sunset. I mean, he's already established it's the later part of the day. But when it was evening after sunset. So it's dark. What happens when it's dark? They brought to him all who were ill or possessed by demons. The whole town was gathered at the door. He cured the many who were sick with various diseases, and he drove out many demons, not permitting them to speak because they knew him. So it's dark. He's doing that work in the midst of the darkness. But notice, still dark in the next part. Rising very early before dawn. Once again, he's emphasizing the fact very early before dawn. What is it? It's still dark. What does he do? He left and went off to a deserted place where he prayed. So the reason why I emphasize both of that, this setting of the darkness, and yet he comes into it. He doesn't wait until everything is good and put together and that's when I'll enter in. No, he comes into the darkness to heal the sickness, to heal the diseases, to drive out the devil, to make things better. But notice, he doesn't wait until everything is happy and glossy and great. He comes into it all. But the other thing that I think is so important, what does he then do after that? Rising very early before dawn, he left and went off to a deserted place where he prayed. This is Jesus Christ, the God-man, you know, fully human, fully divine, the second person of the most holy trinity. And what is he doing? He's going to pray. And it's one of those things that's such an important example for us to learn from. Why? Because it is a dark world. It's not as great as it can be. It's also not completely awful. It's the real thing, and he really loves us, and he really wants that love to be there in the darkness, for that light to be in the midst of everything. And so what does that mean for us right now? 
Well, here we are, just what? Uh, Today's the 14th, 10 days from Ash Wednesday. How do I know that? Because this year, Ash Wednesday is on February 14th. You're welcome, right? Ash Wednesday and Lent. As Jason Finnerty and the school put it, they go together like chalk and cheese. You know, it's just, it's an amazing thing. We get, we get Ash Wednesday and, Val- and Valentine's Day all on the same day this year. So, as we look ahead to that, and I did promise to talk about fasting. Don't worry, it's coming next week. I keep making you wait on fasting. But what's the other two, right? Prayer and almsgiving. Well, I would say prayer is the essential one. And we see that with our Lord today, in the dark, right? Evening after sunset, early before dawn, in the midst of our dark world, what do we need to do? Pray. And why is that? Because we get to link on to the real, to not be overcome by the darkness, to realize that Jesus Christ, the light of the world, has come into this, and he wants us to be with him. And I would say take the next 10 days to figure out how you are going to make more time to pray, to be with him. And I have three hopefully practical suggestions for that, three things that I want to challenge you to do in the realm of prayer during Lent, okay? The first one, pray the rosary. Now, I know the rosary can be kind of intimidating, like, oh my goodness, it takes so long. To be fair, it really doesn't. I mean, John led us before Mass today. It took like 20 minutes. We go pretty quick. Also, by the way, I don't like it when we get accused of not knowing sacred scripture. You know what? I got a rosary in my pocket. I got 20 mysteries of the rosary, which cover all the mysteries of the life of Christ. And I get to pray those and meditate on his life. And that makes me more aware of scripture, helps me to understand it more and more. Anyway, I digress. Pray the rosary, and why? It's like a link to heaven. It's our blessed mother reminding us, hey, remember, the darkness doesn't win. It's like meditating on the fact that Jesus Christ is really here. And I would say this, don't let the perfect be the enemy of the good. It's like, well, Father, if I'm going to do this, I have to kneel down and spend 30 minutes. Okay, yeah, there's the ideal for you. But you know what? If you had to break that up into a decade here and a decade there, great. I do that half the time. Like if I, you know, praying one on one decade on the way to the rectory, one on the way here, couple on the way to the hospital, couple going over there. I mean, you get it done pretty quickly. And you know what? Doing it that way, as opposed to not doing it, is a whole lot better, right? I mean, I think we could probably all agree on that. And the other thing I would say is every time Mary appears throughout the centuries, you know, coming to tell us about how to help us on the way to heaven, she always says, pray the rosary every day. You can get those kiddos in on it, you know, a decade a day. It's not that tough. Enter with that going into Lent. Number two, go to Mass more. And this is the thing that I would say. You know, as of right now, yes, we are obliged to come once a week. I will be perfectly honest with you, I don't know how people do it only going once once a week. I'm not strong enough for that. I have to have mass every day of the week. You all are stronger than me. You don't need it that often, right? But I would say this. Come at least one extra time during the week. Look at the schedule. We got three early ones, Monday, Tuesday, and Friday at 7 a.m. We got the late one, Wednesday at 5.15. We've got the school one at 8.30 on Thursday. We also have the early one at 8 on Saturday. And if you didn't catch all that, we've also got a bulletin. So come out for at least one extra Mass a week during Lent. Make that time. Because why? Sometimes in the midst of the week, it feels pretty dark. Let him enter in with you. 
The final thing that I would say is make a little bit of time of just going to a deserted place, so to speak, and talking with him. If the Son of God needs to do that with the Father, we certainly need to do that with him. I mean, even if you're never doing that now, five minutes. Just take five minutes and just be with him. And what does the Lord do? We just heard Flora beautifully sing it. Praise the Lord who heals the brokenhearted. Open up your heart to him. Don't be afraid to say, oh, I can't let him into this part of my life. It's so dark. No, he wants to come into the darkness. He wants to be there with you. And if you're having a hard time jumping off, I just don't know what or who to pray for, pull out your phone, scroll through the contacts. Look at this person. Oh my gosh, I haven't called him in a long time. I should probably be praying for him. Or look through your pictures. Whether it's been 20 years or 20 minutes, there's something to see that either needs prayed for or gratitude or just recognizing the facts that we live in a real world that God loves so much that he wants to be a part of it. And when we draw aside and when we pray and when we're with him, we see more and more There are so many good things that he wants to be in the midst of all this with us. So take the next 10 days. Ask for that grace to know, Lord, where are you calling me to grow in this prayer? I recommend the Mass, the Rosary, a little bit of meditative time. Because when we see more and more that the darkness is not our one companion, right? That ultimately, it's our Lord who wants to be with us and wants us to draw closer to him this Lent and always. Praise be Jesus Christ.